0: Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way.
1: The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift.
0: And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, we're back. Uh, I am really excited about today, man. Uh, but before we head in, uh, how, how was your week, brother? I mean i know it's full of cold weather and lots of changes but talk to me yeah man
1: it's been been well it's uh right in that period of time in february where people are digging deep (laughs) Uh, so we're digging deep externally and with the weather internally with the vision so uh a lot of good times advancing
0: yeah i was on the phone today with a client from medellin in colombia And uh, he was regaling me with the beautiful temperate climates that he couldn't, that he had to endure, right? If it got too hot, he went up into the mountains. If it gets too cold, he comes down to the valley. Life is good. And then when he comes to Miami, you know, and especially in the summertime, he's like, he hates it because it's just the same temperature all the time. He has no control unless he goes inside a building. So... uh, Meanwhile, we are 20 degrees.
1: <laughs> I think it's cool that you and I get to spend time with people in a given week in so many different climates. And it's a great example of what we're talking about today, because when you're in your climate, you that is your world. Right. right. And, and if you didn't know and if travel wasn't simple, you would think you'd surveyed the world. And you think your experience is everyone's experience, not knowing uh, there's all right. kinds of other climates out there
0: right 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 right, great, great analogy uh, well what, what's what I'd love to talk about today so we you did mention that we had discussed this in advance, and I think it's it's in it's continuing the conversation around this idea of dream teams hmm. and I think what what came to us was well, great, so we buy into what we're what you guys are talking about but how do we get there Hmm. right and so i thought i think it's great that we talked today about those steps and uh, i think the insight that we're going to bring to the table today is one around how do we simplify those steps Uh, but a warning in advance this is not a conversation for just anyone right i think the thing that um, we should mention up front is that this is a conversation for high performers uh, because it really wouldn't be fair, right, to talk about uh, what we're going to discuss in the context of just anyone, mm-hmm. right? What I think, I think it's important to mention, we are talking about folks who have done the hard work and gotten to a level of performance that they're very proud of, right? They've been through the gauntlet, uh, but it's not enough. They're successful, but they're not satisfied. mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, not to overdo the analogy, I think it's just on my mind with cup, the coming weekend, they're already playing at a pro level. They just haven't yet won the Super Bowl. right? And and they know what it takes to get in the consistent effort to work out. As a leader, they know how to read, read the room, read emotion, read people. Uh, there, there's a sophistication to their leadership already. Uh, but as we know, there's something
0: elusive. Right, right. And One of the things that folks have heard me say in the past, sales is a team sport. You could say growth is a team sport. You could say success is a team sport. The idea is that we can't do it alone, no matter what our goal is, no matter how we define it. Uh, So I think it's interesting that you uh, came up with these four components that we should be thinking about. I think it'd be a great way to frame the conversation today.
1: Let's jump in because I love it when we're talking about those ideas actions, strategies that take you beyond good to greatness. Right on. Well, so as we start out, what we want to think about is what it means for you as the leader to really get an awareness and you know, in all leadership, awareness is the answer. What's the question? And so if you as a leader have started out, you know what it's like to start filling in those gaps. You're growing yourself, you're developing your skills, but at some point you do reach this place, where the gains are so much harder fought for uh you know being in my mid-40s and doing uh like this resistance band training system we both do working out like man i gotta work hard for those gains in a way Mm -hmm. that i didn't have to as much a couple decades ago but also too as i've been doing it a year uh, i have to work harder at it because i got the quick gains right those happened fast so if you're a leader and you look at yourself, none of what we're going to cover in this episode is any, in any way making you feel bad. Uh, you were saying this earlier. I love it. Look at who you were five years ago. You're so much more advanced than you were, right? But what if there was a way to close the gap on these smaller gains that are so much harder fought for without unnecessary trial and error? Right, um, right. And 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 that's the thing. If you're in a space and you're in the top, you know, eighty percent, you got there uh, through experiences, resources. But if you're getting from ninety five percent to ninety six to ninety seven percent, getting in these really higher level, upper echelon, rarefied air places, um, that's really hard. It's difficult. And 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 a sports analogy works. I think we've shared it before. It was on the Tom versus Time documentary where his coaches were talking about. You know how hard he has to get from ninety six to ninety seven percent on something, because of this idea that it's it's much easier to get that initial momentum, but after that, there's a lot more sophistication, nuance, and mastery at work. Right. And right. so that's what we want to help people with.
0: Right. Yeah. So so for anyone who's been on a diet, right? You know, it's easier to lose those those few those few pounds. <laughs> Early in the process, it's harder not only to keep them off, but to continue those gains over time. It takes more discipline, which is why many of us jump off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Same thing with fitness, right? Those early gains come, and then as you go, it's harder to see them from day to day, week to week, month to month. So it takes that discipline to get, to get rolling. And I think the same thing here. When we talk to high performers, as you're saying, those high performers got there. Through trial and error. And, and, and why not just assume that trial and error will get me where I want to go? The issue is, the reason that high performers hire coaches, hire people who can help them, like Tom Brady, just pick, pick the athlete, pick the mm-hmm. high performer in any line of work. The reason that coaches make sense later in their careers is because they still have that passion, they still have that ambition, but the gains come harder greater discipline is required. And by the way, I mean this is the biggest thing for me when I realized this. The gains the gains come harder but the mistakes are more co- are more costly. So the the mistakes from trial and error if they if they set me back a couple steps, that cost me a huge amount, not 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 considering the time that I've wasted and the opportunities that it may have cost me. So it makes much more sense to uh to have that expertise around you and because trial and error gets more and more expensive as you go on and as you head up that level of performance.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think part of – I love that. I hope we've got to highlight that and and put a neon sign around it. Um, Because, you know, I think if I reflect early in my leadership career, in my 20s, leading a team of 12 direct reports at one point – uh and and staff underneath that and, and just a lot of leadership responsibility at a young age all of that experience accelerated me but also to seeing people much further down the road that were mentors that I could fill in the gap in my imagination because it's hard for human beings to get somewhere without seeing someone else do it. Right. But today these are people who have had lots of experience who have probably outgrown their mentors from their 20s and 30s, right? Um, I mean, that's an experience that I know for, for both of us, we can reflect back on people. And, and if we're going to keep growing and leaning in, we're going to see that happen in our lives. You, you do get that kind of trajectory, uh, which makes this place even more harder, more difficult, I should say, to navigate. And, and these costs that come with
0: these mistakes much, much larger. You know, it's a great uh, example. I actually, I've told a story that I have, I had a coach for about 10 years. Um, when I started coaching, it turned from me being um, the client to me learning how to coach. So that's why it took so long. Not because I was a slow learner, uh, but it could be, it could be both reasons, right? <laughs> um, but, the, but I think today, if you look at me today, you know, it's interesting. I haven't thought about it until you just mentioned it, but I have about, three coaches right now but the difference is they are highly specialized Um, if you look at what they help me with it's not the big ideas they each help me with those you know very specific areas of my business and my life that I want to work on so that's the other thing I think that's interesting is to your point about maybe outgrowing folks that's natural first off but why are you outgrowing them because maybe you need more specialized expertise whether it's your industry your business model whether it's your buyers whether it's uh, the vision has changed uh, whether it's the economy has shifted whatever it might be
1: yeah and it also could be in addition to all those things everyone stops growing somewhere they and this is going to really kick us off into what we're talking about they stop paying the price for what's next they just look at what's happening and and I don't know that they all consciously, objectively process it this way, but, okay, it's not worth paying this price to get to this next step of growth. <laughs> <Pretty> and, <rare. laughs> you know, I can remember a couple of mentors I was meeting with in my 30s when it shifted and and one was, you know, in his late 40s, one was in his 50s, one was in his 70s, all separate. And it shifted and they were taking notes from stuff I was saying, you, you know, and, and for the kind of person that's going to get the most out of what we're going to talk about today they're just not to that point that they want to stop paying the price they're willing to pay right. the price to see the greatness happen right right
0: right yeah i love it so let's so let's start and i, I think so let's start cuz i want to i want to really figure out right, cuz we have we have high performers listening to us help them figure out what they did right to get to where they are and then what gaps they can address to get to the next level.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, they, you know, they applied effort, they gleaned wisdom from their experiences and others that we're talking about. And, and really the way that we could say it is they developed and then increased their awareness, their awareness of who they are, of who others are of the terrain of their marketplace, you know, of their skills, all of these things. And And the the difficult part about this is the next piece that they've got to fill in the gap on, uh, it's not going to be their gut. Their gut is not going to get them there. Their gut could get them part of the way there. Um, But usually what we've seen in working with people is your gut got you here, but its calibration is a little bit off at this master level, which is why world-class people, Tiger Woods is going to get help on his golf swing. Because he knows he could be his own worst enemy. He's got to get outside of himself and he needs somebody to do that. And so what we want to do is get in there and start to measure that awareness. How do you measure it when it comes to people? How do you measure it when it comes to teams? How do you measure it when it comes to leaders, sales professionals? Well, okay. that's the sweet spot.
0: So one of the things that, so I'd like to start at a high level here and move through the stuff that we've talked about. So. Um, the first thing that you've talked about is this idea of living the vision. So, and I, and I feel like when we're starting out the vision that I have for myself, for my business, for my people, my team, whatever my focus is, uh, it's largely driven by some great idea and a huge amount of passion. Hmm. Um, and, and we find our way through, we're challenged. We overcome those challenges. We go, um. When it's time for me to take it to the next level, uh, talk to me about how um, what's going on inside me can affect not only the definition of that vision, but the passion and um, the efficiency and effectiveness that I am able to bring to the table, bring to bear against that, that objective.
1: Yeah. If there's some greatness in you and in your team and in your organization and in the growth you want your sales team to have, whatever it is that hasn't been captured yet, uh, we don't know who said it for sure. Maybe it was Einstein, but the consciousness that created this problem is not the same consciousness that can solve it. So there has to be within you an upgrade of how you're looking at this. There has to be a deeper truer experience and expression of the vision and so what's going to happen is you're going to come to a point if if you're open-minded and not rigidly uh detaching from reality if you accept reality if you own reality and you don't fight against it and rage against it stare it in the mirror you're going to see something you're going to see first and foremost a greater sacrifice of you that will be required to accomplish this vision. And most people, you know, without these concepts being articulated, it's all happening underneath the surface. They don't always know it. But once you start to get a surface level understanding of these concepts, it'll get way deeper. Where am I right now not fully accepting a reality? You you know, and, and, and you can get discouraged, but that's not the point because the whole point of leadership is, I accept this reality, but it doesn't mean I'm a victim and it doesn't mean I'm passive and it doesn't mean I stop here because I see the reality that could be and should be true. That's the vision. And the gap that's there between where it is now, with full acceptance of that, and where I want it to be, you go first as the leader. There's a price to be paid. And you, you know, we could talk about what that price might look like generally, but specifically it's going to be you know, something that is going to require a letting go, a sacrifice. And that's why everybody stops. Everybody stops somewhere because the sacrifice becomes something that they don't want to make, but it is giving up that makes space for this pathway of this vision. Um, you may love the way your sales staff has been trained to do it and they have been doing so good and growing for years, but that, good isn't good enough anymore. Right, and so right, right. the process has to be reinvented, re- anything like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I, so what this, is res- what this is saying to me um, is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a great quote that I'm going to misquote and I'm not going to remember the person who said it, but <laughs> this idea that, you know, your, the goals that we set. So I, I use this all the time when I talk about goal setting um, uh, with my clients. You know, the goals you set are going to be influenced by the beliefs you have about who you can become and how and what it takes to get there. Right. So, if your belief system is one that that uh, puts you in a box or creates constraints around uh, who you are and who you can become, then the first thing that I hear you saying is th- that I'm going to have to challenge. The discomfort's going to come from challenging those beliefs mm. that make me feel comfortable with where I am or that make me feel like the next step might be impossible uh, or mm. unlikely or just not worth the investment. Right on.
1: Let's imagine me and you right now are in a theater. There's a thousand people in it listening to us have this conversation. And we look at those thousand people of course, we know our listening audience is in the millions, so this analogy doesn't know. Uh, but we look at that audience of a thousand and we say to them, very few of you can be at this level of leadership. Whoa, that's so discouraging. Why would you say that? That's terrible. But if you're sitting there listening and, and you say, yes, very few ever get there, but I will be one. That's that mindset, you know, and, and for the 999 or how many ever it is, it's mindset. You know, if, if, when I've been in those kind of places and people have spoken with that kind of honest directness, like I'm going to be one, I I don't know what it looks like exactly, but I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And it's not cheesy. It's not cliche. It's age old wisdom. It's embedded in the stories and rituals for thousands of years in human civilizations. There is no ascendance to greatness
0: without sacrifice. Right. Right. And, and sacrificing those beliefs. So if we so if we think about the first step, living the vision, um, if you if you're looking, or if a leader, a high performer is looking to make it to the next level, they have to they have to think about sacrificing the barriers that may be standing in the way, one of which, and perhaps the most important of which, is this mindset that sets the beliefs, sets the bar for their beliefs, and it will either make it easy or difficult for them to think about what it takes to get to the next level. And I love love this conversation because I've so often heard commentators just gush at how amazing what Tom Brady does or has done is. Mm And I imagine Tom just laughing at these guys. Like, it's no big deal. All, I, all he does, and he probably does it very naturally, is just keep reassessing what's possible for him. He, he reaches and redefines his potential so easily, sets the bar for himself so easily, and then believes he can get there uh, so naturally that, that ascendance just continues and has looked to us as being effortless or otherworldly. Whereas every naysayer or that looks at him in disbelief really is just providing evidence of their own, their own limitations, right? The mindset that's going to keep them from achieving that higher level of performance. Dude, yes.
1: People that are ascending to greatness don't have time to critique other people. <laughs> they just don't. They're obsessively focused on the vision and they are sacrificing for it, and it has crowded out everything else. Now, I think you can live with a sense of health as far as, like, it doesn't crowd out my family or my availability to my daughters or the primacy of the importance I put on the relationship with my wife. But in the confines of the way I've structured my life, I am obsessively focused
0: on a vision and what, whatever price needs to be paid. Right. So let's, let's bring it together and let's go to the next one. So, so if I'm going to bring this together, I'm going to say to myself, look, for top performers um, that are ambitious, that have gotten to a high level of, of success, you've already right, experienced this where you tapped into a belief system that said, yes, you can do that. You identified a vision and you went and got it. Now, if it's time to take it to the next level, it's time to re- assess those beliefs to make sure that your mindset is flexible enough and adaptive enough to take it to the next level. So the first thing you can look at if you're trying to get to that next level is, what are the insecurities? What are the beliefs? What's the mindset or elements of your mindset that might be holding you back from thinking bigger and then going bigger? Now, after that, Chris, uh, this is really interesting to me. We talked about this idea of being masterful at developing people Mm. we would use the word coach but there's all kinds of ways that we develop people and I think the power of that being the second thing that we talk about uh, is is grounded in the realization that none of us does it alone we have a vision immediately after that vision I need a team I need people around me now when I start out I'm not you know, necessarily right? building something brand new and recognizing exactly the structure that I'm trying to, to fill. I know the roles and I know exactly who to go hire. I'm, I'm building that support structure of individuals around me organically, right? Yeah. People I meet, I bump into, folks that we get along with, we can work 10, 20 hours together nonstop, not kill each other, right? And so we become good at developing uh, that team and that, that organization around us. Uh, but more importantly, um, the team gets from us what it needs in terms of understanding the vision and understanding what they have to do to help the, the group get to that vision. Am I That's saying it, it right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, high-fiving everything you're saying, because the leader that lives with the vision, it starts with them. But then it has to transfer to others. I mean, you know, if the vision doesn't involve others, there's no point. (laughs) This is like and even people that are like solopreneurs, if they only if they don't build a team of outsourced contractors or assistant or whatever, you know, whatever, they're going to be continually frustrated and limited. Um, There there is this point where it comes out of you and then it goes to others. And as it goes to others, you've lived it, you've breathed it, you've slept with it. They're gonna help shape it and make it better, but you're paying attention to how they contribute, how they evolve it, how they are empowered and liberated and given the biggest permission slip to, to make it even better than what you saw. But you have the Guiding North Star as the leader from a leader from a value vision standpoint, You're able to hand that off and not let it lose its core. Mm -hmm. Um, And this requires, yeah, a masterful approach. You're living this vision. You're sacrificing for it. Now you're speaking it out and you're moving and you're watching and you're paying attention to how to get people activated around it. I mean, that's the nature of leadership. Number one, you're seeing something people haven't seen yet. Number two, you're coaching them into a belief that we can accomplish this impossible thing. Right.
0: And I would assume that if we're talking about, um, if we're talking to or we're talking about leaders who have achieved a level of success, it's it's easier to do that when the team is small. It's easier to do that when you see the team every day, when you talk to everyone every day, when you have a personal relationship with everyone every day, when the organization is three, five, 10, maybe 15, 20 people. But as soon as it gets to 25, 30, 40, when, people, when you start passing people in the hall that you don't know, right, that you didn't meet, that you didn't interview and, and uh, sign off on, you know, what got you there isn't gonna get you where you wanna go in terms of transferring, right, that developmental capability that you developed with your core team to the rest of the organization.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the difference between and we can talk about it in terms of leadership and corporate development, but I think it's helpful to use a sports example. The difference between a program at a high school level, a collegiate level or, you know, or the pro level and at the pro level, that coach has to be so aware of what the glances on their face do about how they use all of their messaging to reduce down into the simplest, tightest expressions of clarity. You know, on and on and on we can go with this analogy. But that's the, you know, that's the passion, obsession it requires that you are, you know, rolling around in this in your head and heart, not in a way that you're constantly trying to force clarity with greater intensity. Um and I think that's a a point to make here. A master approach, a master coach understands, I, I, don't, I don't have to increase the intensity. I'm relaxed and I increase the clarity. And, and that takes work. You know, having launched plenty of small and medium experiences, some have worked, some haven't. I've launched some really big things and um, that clarity just takes time. And as it's growing in you and you're sacrificing for it and it spills over to others, you're training them to be what they need to be to live up to the vision and to help you accomplish it. Right. And you can't yeah, take them to, somewhere you
0: haven't been. Well, of course. So, so as a leader, you've got to walk it, right? You've got to walk yeah. the talk. You've also, not only do you have to understand what it takes to get there, but you have to understand, really experience what it's like to be there. So you Absolutely. can communicate that excitement to the people that you're motivating to follow you, to walk yes. with you. Uh, I love that. And uh, after
1: that starts to happen—oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: Go. Go for it, brother. We
1: we'll say after that starts to happen, it spills over into the next piece. And, and people skip over this because they think sacrifice is enough. No, it isn't. They think buy-in is enough. No, it isn't. The buy-in becomes real when you, what, structure around the vision. I saw a a tweet that had gone viral and it said, save yourself a couple of years of toiling in your startup and skip ahead to the start, the part where you start building infrastructure, (laughs) Mm -hmm. You, you, you know, and, and that's the idea that you could think about infrastructure or structure of the team like this. It's the container and you want the good stuff to be poured in to your sales team, to your vision, to your idea. If, the, if it's not a good container, what's it gonna go in? You could tell me you have the best scotch in the world. And if you don't have it in a glass container, right? Silly analogy, <laughs> but it's something we take for granted all the time.
0: Right, right, right. So, well, this- so So back to this idea of kind of evolution, right? The evolution of a high performer. Uh, you know, so we had this vision, we attracted this team and um, you know, the structure just kind of formed. Right? It was great people operating as generalists, coming in, doing what has to get done. Uh, and, and every team, right, you talk about the process of a team goes through this, this stage. Um, but it's not something we can sustain forever. Why? Because it's not scalable. And as we know, as our vision gets bigger, as our goals get bigger, as our expectations rise, uh, we have to become better at fine-tuning how we develop this team. So we have to get to this idea of developing that structure, that formal structure, as quickly as possible. Um, and, I would, and when we think about the team environment, right, uh, continuing the analogy, that team structure is already set, right? If you're in any one of the major leagues, sports leagues, it's there. Uh, the inf- what's interesting, though, is not every team operates the same way. Uh, So I imagine that those folks take that formal structure. We know how many people have to be on each side. We know about how defense is played, offense is played, et cetera. But then their definition of the roles and requirements of the roles that fulfill the uh, requirements of the structure, uh, I would imagine that's where a huge amount of the innovation and competitive advantage comes Right. Their understanding of what does it take. What are the most predictable characteristics of that role that will drive success? And then what are the most predictable characteristics of the individuals who will fit into those roles and then therefore drive success.
1: Beautiful. I and I wanna I wanna high five that, give an analogy, uh, and then talk about a pitfall. Um high five. The analogy is like <laughs> So, yeah, every team has a tight end. Some tight ends are better from 10 to 20 yards. Some are better from 20 to 40 yards. You've got to know who you have. And even though there's a role, they show up with a specialization of impact in that role. Now, here is the pitfall. Here is the mistake leaders make, and it's a mistake I've made many times. Usually, the one who has that originating vision, they tend to be a novel thinker. And so guess what they try to do? They try to apply that novel thinking into upgrading the structure of their team. And it's confusing. It's confusing because people need a box. So you can look at like, you know, there is some variation in like C-suite offices, right? You've got a basic kind of list of C-suite positions. You've got some creativity beyond that, different things that are happening, emergent trends and initiatives. But then you can see where people are just totally pulling these wild things out, where they are custom building the structure for the people they have more than it's for the vision they need to accomplish. And so like if this were an easy black and white issue, then everybody's structure would look the exact same. There's some discernment here, but that discernment can't be just based on your gut. If you're going to have a scalable team that's balanced and built out in, in health, you need to measure it. And that's what makes the sports analogy so powerful and makes leadership so hard. The sports analogy, they can measure it with specific precision. It's right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Leadership without tying things into clear objectives becomes so much
0: harder. To define. So let me put this all together. So we're talking about the evolution of a high performer in the context of an organization. It's if I've got the vision and I and I and I can attract folks that and develop folks. um, The structure just forms, right? We are generalists, and then as the requirements of the organization increase, as our goals increase, the structure requires more specialization, and so now we have to find the specific roles that are most ideal for the folks that we've assembled and we have to hire two roles respecting this higher level of specialization that's required because if we have if we have those generalist roles chunked up into more specialized activities then the organization can perform at a higher level the when people are naturally or when people are placed into a role that they're a more natural fit to They're going to adopt, adapt, and advance in that role much faster than perhaps that generalist who's doing something that they can do but maybe don't love doing. But also the organization becomes more scalable because now I have have specialists that are playing smaller bit roles. If somebody gets hurt or gets sick or decides they want to do something else with their lives, we can then backfill into that role more easily by finding that somebody with that level of specialization or somebody that wants to develop that level of specialization in that role. And, and that is a huge departure from the skill set required when we were just, of course, getting started. Yes, beautiful.
1: And, and you know, this is why it's hard for, you know, the point leaders often to guide and nurture the momentum from one stage to the next, because part of their strength is the flexibility and adaptability that they impose on themselves and their work function. But over time, if they're honest, they start to figure out with more specialization where their strengths really shine. And um, even if the role stays the same. So this requires so much attention, so much awareness, honesty, and you apply that that's how you start putting together this world-class pursuit, this world-class team.
0: And what I love, I don't want to lose sight of what you mentioned, this idea of data. I mean, it seems to me that at every, at every level we've talked about so far, data is critical to help us take that next level. So this idea of living in the vision, we talked about what types of beliefs that we have that might have got us where we are, but might be limiting where we're going to go. Data that can help us understand where our heads are at how we're responding to the insecurities that we have that might be limiting our potential. And then, of course, helping us adapt our knowledge and awareness of those things to expand our vision and expand yeah. the potential of the organization. And then this idea of becoming more masterful, masterful in terms of how I develop and coach people. Uh, you know, starting out, it's easy to kind of just not have, you know, develop people to the point where they're not fighting. <laughs> but... But those broader measurements, right, which are still legit, can be improved, right, with more specific um, measurement tools that we can deploy across the organization that just make us smarter and allow us to understand um, the, um, the levers that we have to pull at a much deeper and detailed level. And then this idea of, a, of assembling the right people, moving from generalist to specialist, Well, how do those specialists get better at their job? You have to have tools uh, that help them understand, right? What does it mean to be, why are you better as a tight end in the first 20 yards than in the last 40? What is it about the way your body's built, your genetics, Mm -hmm. the mechanics of the way you move? That stuff requires, I mean, I, I remember seeing Tom Brady, right, practicing, throwing a ball uh, just adjusting his elbow in or out by a few degrees and then having a big impact on the power he was able to get behind the ball. And in this last season, his 22nd season, he was throwing as hard, if not harder, more accurately if not more accurately than he was when he was a kid. Uh, it's got to it's gotta be something predictable and repeatable that we, can, that we can leverage as we think about building teams. So finding ways to measure data and track that data at every level seems to me to be critical to what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the alchemical black box, as they say, that people wonder, like, yeah, but does it exist? Is it possible? Yeah. And we see it. We do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the fun part. When you get to this yeah. level where you're dialing in somebody's role with such specificity and measurables, feels good to be awesome. It feels good to be at a mastery level of something and to have that zone of genius you exist in.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, what I think we should do next time, uh, because we're coming to the end of this, this episode next time, why don't we talk about the seven dimensions of fit Mm. and talk about the measurement tools that we recommend to folks to achieve the kind of um, specificity that we're looking, we're talking about and to kind of, accelerate and advance the vision, our ability to develop and coach people, our ability to assemble people and drive uh, our organization to the, to that higher level of specialization.
1: What do you think? Let's do it. I'm excited now.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com.
1: And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.